Our world is lost in unnecessary fear and hurt. Our systems seem scientifically engineered to make you small, powerless, and always waiting for the next great leader who will fix the problems around us. Worse, we're witnessing neighbor versus neighbor while warfare breaks out around our family tables. But you have access to a spirit, a strength that enlarges and empowers you. Even better, you don't need to wait for the next big movement. You can heal the world. It's time for governance by Grace. Welcome to Gracearchy with Jim Babka. But now we need to take the next step and say, well, does that mean that we all have to be in agreement in order to be in, not missing the mark? And absolutely not. You know, this does not imply intellectual unity right, or, agree right. or agreement. We can still disagree. Look at Jesus. He disagreed vehemently with the authorities around him at times. But you're saying that we, we agree on the how. But we stay with the how. Yeah. So even if we are disagreeing, whether it's politically or whether it's in, theologically or any other way, realizing the, the basic humanity of the other person and honoring that and respecting that keeps us in that unity even as we continue to debate and, and um, you know continue to defend our own ideas. So the 2% that I... And it may be bigger than that. We'll find out here in a second that I think I disagreed with you on was your definition of kingdom. Oh, okay. And where my journey has been taking me, and I, I would like to be corrected if I'm wrong. I think of kingdom as that where two or three gather together. It's the establishment of, uh, it's the beginning of heaven. It's the beginning of that, that eternal relationship that we're entering with brothers and sisters uh, in Christ, where we pray together. We look out for each other's needs, and as we grow and become stronger and are able to, to, to be dependent on one another, we have overflow. We have abundance that allows us to begin to share that out uh, into the community. And so it becomes the kingdom becomes very much subversive. It's a power up that just kind of like topples uh, through love, uh, through grace. It topples kind of the established order, which is all about, and Jesus said, I don't want you to be like, uh, like the Greeks and the Romans. I don't want you to to rule over one another. That's not what I want for you. And I find, uh, uh, Bill, touching on what you just asked, I find tremendous diversity in God. You know, there's this idea that we were also given, you know, in, in conjunction with the law, we were given a second idea. Uh, you know, laws and sin are connected. We were given an idea that we must all be in harmony. We must all agree with one another. We must all be Catholic. And I mean that in the small C sense, we must all be universal, right? There's one universal church and, and, but yet there's all these denominations out there and there's all these different types of experiences that people are having. And it, it seems to me that the grace of God is so expansive and so broad that, um, he's reaching all of us. It's and still kingdom, right? It's still kingdom, but each the kingdoms, everybody's, you know, can two walk together unless they agree if they don't agree right well, i think yeah. it is important that in your community or your setting where you have your church your two or three gathering together and it could be more but there is a high 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 degree of harmony but it doesn't mean that you have to get along with those pesky presbyterians that live down the street right uh is particularly okay they have their own place that they can go and they can build their own kingdom that has such love and that overflows and goes out uh, to the rest of the world. So using Dave's language, it's the same how, but a slightly different what? Yeah, I Is think of the kingdom fair? almost in a communal sense. 
you're going to want to plug in once you how is that any different from what dave's talking about though because i know relationship is central to the effect uh he is you said something about kingdom being that sinless state i, I don't remember exactly how you worded it we'd have to go back and play the tape yeah roll tape so i think the the best way for me to address the kingdom issue would be to say that from my point of view everything that you just said about kingdom is the byproduct of kingdom but but there's there's a there's a further back and more uh, you know fundamental cause. Uh, Jesus talks about kingdom as being within us. The word Malkutha in in uh, Aramaic is never referring to a place. You know, it's referring most um, closely in our language to the reign of the king, R E I G N, the principles by which the king rules and reigns, which are then picked up in symbiotic fashion by the people. And so there is this, this relationship where the people actually become the king's hands and feet. They are so top living, down. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it feels bottom up, you know, because the people are resonating with the principles of the king. And so they're all one. I mean, there, there you are again, that, that oneness, that unity that yeah. is there. In that unity, the things that you're talking about happen. But kingdom itself is that unity. I think one of the most telling phrases when the children are trying to come to Jesus and his handlers are keeping them away, his first closest followers, he says, no, let the children come for such as these are kingdom, that state of being that a child represents both the, the complete nowness accepting of what is presented to them at any moment. And then in that language, the Talia also refers not just to a child, but also to a domestic slave or an indentured servant. And so that with surrender, the, the decision to serve of the servant combined with the attributes of the child complete the idea here, that is what kingdom is. It is that attitude, it's anavim, that person is completely relaxed. Can you do anavim for us just for a second? I've heard you say it before, but I wanna clarify it for the listeners. Anavim is the Hebrew word that was their ideal of, of uh, full spiritual formation. A person who usually lived on the margins of life, they were the ones who were oppressed, they were the poor, but they didn't live with a sense of, of uh, a lack in their life. They had gotten to a point where they were accepting of their, of their status in life. And they had gotten to a point that they were completely reliant on God because they knew they couldn't rely on anything else, even themselves to be able to get where they needed to go in life. And it's that attitude <clears throat> of acceptance of, of vulnerability, acceptance of dependence and reliance, but also with gratitude and with hope and without an, an ounce of resentment. Or so we call that like full presence. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the thing you were talking about, Dave, the numinous moment where all of a sudden the light comes on in some way that, that, that you feel, right? Mm -hmm. That's Anavim. That's Anavim. And that's their ideal, you know? And if you look at, at, at uh, the characters of the Bible that had those qualities, uh, Mary, Joseph, of course, Jesus himself, we, we see that being played out over and over again. And when he points to a child, he's pointing to the same attributes. And so that is what kingdom is, that attitude, that inclination, that quality of living that then plays out in all the attributes you're talking about. Okay. So let's connect this in another way, because the kingdom has a king, right? Mm -hmm. And our king is Christ. The interesting thing about kingdom, it's a feminine word. So it's really queendom. <laughs> if you want to think about it that way. Whoa, hold on a second here. I hadn't heard this before. No. 
it's, it's so it's so fascinating. In fact, we I, do, I always do this every year at Mother's Day is try to show the both sides of God because we always think of God as male. Of course, it came out of a patriarchal system, obviously, sure, yeah. and God is never referred to as mother in the Bible. But God is anthropomorphized as female and as mother all over the place. And then the words that are used to describe God: ruach, spirit, feminine, uh, shekinah, shekinah. Uh, is uh, feminine. That has to do with the presence or the indwelling of, of God. Uh, Malkutha, kingdom, is obviously is 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 feminine as well. And then Ahokma, uh, which is wisdom. So all those fundamental aspects of God are all feminine words. Yeah, and so, the uh, and the Greek version of wisdom is Sophia. 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 Same yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh. And and uh, Basileia, which is kingdom in in Greek, also feminine. And so by the words that are actually used and the way that god is is portrayed we are seeing the feminine qualities of god being balanced with the male qualities and, and of we're course saying, he's neither male nor female yeah this isn't gender this no, is this is gender. divine masculine divine feminine kind of stuff yeah. so we're talking about the difference between knowledge and wisdom between being and doing between intuition and performance so on and so forth those are all balanced in god and kingdom is part of that okay so where i was going was <clears throat> to the book of revelation which revelation you know technically the book's titled the apocalypse of jesus christ right and apocalypse we've developed a wrong thinking here in western culture that it's the bad bad but apocalypse basically pulling away the curtains that we're dealing with that's why we use the shorthand revelation right the revelation of jesus christ and this seems to be a book of to me at least the way i'm looking at it right now seems to be a book about kingdom the kingdom that he's put together, this is what it looks like when he raised and the struggle that is going on the spiritual and how he overcomes in the end. And it's interesting that a lot of people read this book and they see bloodshed all over the place. Um, they, they even see him as a, an actor leading bloodshed, but it's the opposite. You know, there's a moment where John's looking and, you know, first he sees a, a lion or he sees the king and then turns around it's a lamb the lamb is what's actually on the throne uh which is the picture of sacrifice that goes all the way back to the gospels so uh what are what what if anything do you see us being told about the kingdom or christ's rule in the apocalypse the keep, apocalypse, your, keep your answer to 50 words uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Where, Three where, weeks where later, where do I start with apocalyptic literature? Uh, well, let's just focus on what's there for now, right? Right, now. right. Okay, sorry, okay. couldn't well, resist. Well, well, part of the part of the problem is is that with apocalyptic literature, um, is there really a forward valence to it? Is, is there is there still a predictive quality? Uh, Jews believe that any any prophecies uttered by prophets if it was a true prophet then those prophecies would be fulfilled in the generation to which it was uttered and so if it didn't then it was a false prophecy and so for us to be waiting for prophecies to be fulfilled by prophecies that were uttered two to three thousand years ago would be in vain from a jewish point of view christians have added a time connection to those prophecies as they saw the church is continuing on that spiritual israel in a sense and so this prophecy was also applied to us as gentiles in a future sense and so are we still waiting for the book of revelation to be fulfilled 
or was it fulfilled in the time that it was written? Because it would have been written between the two Jewish Roman wars and apocalyptic books are always written after the cataclysm has occurred. Prophetic books are written before to try to veer the people back into the way and avert the disaster. But once the disaster has occurred, how do you understand God's promise being fulfilled when you're standing the smoking crater that used to be life? How, <laughs> I love do you, that how, how in the world can you understand that anything is going to be true that, that, uh, that God has promised? The, the apocalyptic book is to keep the people's hope alive. Basically saying, no matter how bad it is right now, if God has to intervene physically into history, his promises will be fulfilled. And that's a way of keeping people on track. So really, interestingly enough, and ironically, I suppose, the books are meant to restore hope mm -hmm. and to bring the people back, even though the, the imagery that's used is often so jolting and violent in and of itself. Right. So not focusing so much on that. We're focusing here on the kingdom. Okay. Sorry. So no, that's so, all right. So no, no, that was a, a pleasant detour. And, and I'm glad you clarified all that. But I'm in the sense of a kingdom, what is being revealed here? What what we've pulled back the curtain, what are we supposed to see? What we're seeing is is I suppose what it would be what would it be like if we really, as a community, as a people, lived under the principles of the king's rule of kingdom. This is what it would look like. Uh, understanding though that kingdom is not a place, it's not a territory. The yeah. words both in the Greek and in Aramaic or the Hebrew all point to a state of being rather than big place. So as kingdom is looked at as a place, as the new Jerusalem is descending in Revelation, there is a place that's implied. Again, I would see that as the byproduct of kingdom, which is within heart of each person. So it is prophetic in the sense that if we do it right, we get that. Absolutely. You know, the, the idea is if enough of us have, quote unquote, entered kingdom, you don't actually enter kingdom. That's a metaphor. Uh, from my point of view, you become kingdom. Uh, but if enough people have, have done that, then that's going to be reflected out into the community as well. Yeah, what the Jim was talking about, start. it bubbles up right from the from the grassroots. What has well, happened I'm, interiorly will start to be reflected. even from inside. Yeah, from inside. <clears throat> Starts yeah. inside. Yeah. Kingdom always moves from inside to outside. And so, so once it's taken hold of enough of the people, then it can start being reflected in the actual community, in our laws, in the way that we relate to each other. And I believe that Revelation, because that, that image of the descending New Jerusalem is one of the most hopeful images in the Bible, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but that's looking forward to a time when we all actually can live together in those principles, yeah. which oh. are now seen to, to date are only possible in very small groups or within individuals united sense. in the how irrespective of the what right i like to say that we don't need to see eye to eye we just need to be able to stand shoulder to shoulder that's another way of differentiating be, differentiating between the how right the because what. there's individuality still intact there absolutely. everybody's identity still exists yeah. absolutely yes yeah. in this life yes